It got enormous coverage because it was something that was different and it was a lifeline for a whole lot of kids. Welcome to Managing Marketing, a podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. My name is David Angel and today I'm joined by Carolyn Bendel, who is CMO at Swinburne University of Technology. Carolyn is one of the best known marketers in Australia, I think it's fair to say. Prior to her time at Swinburne, Carolyn had a storied career at ANZ. We've just been talking offline and apparently I had 12 years. It's been longer than 12 years. We can, we can talk about that. <laughs> um, in which time she worked across a number of parts of that business, um, ending as, as GM of marketing for the Australia division. Um, welcome, Carolyn. It's great to be talking with you today. Thank you very much, David. It's it's a delight to join you and talk about one of my favourite topics. Fantastic. All right. Well, look, let's, let's start with a, um, the topic of, of, of transition. The thing that, that jumps out at me when I look at your your history is the leap that you've made there from financial services to higher education. Now, on the face of it, two quite different categories, um, although I'm sure you can prove me wrong maybe by highlighting some of the similarities. How has your transition to higher education been over the last uh, three years, I think it is, and you know, what surprised you, what's challenged you, and what's delighted you? Um, yes, it was a, it, for me, it was a big transition because as you, you mentioned in your opening, I was at ANZ actually for many years, quite, quite a few more than 12. Are you going to reveal um, how many? <laughs> over 20 years oh, ago. Oh my goodness. So okay. yeah, indeed. Um, let's suffice to say I joined as a graduate, but, <laughs> but you know, one of the best things about, um, working for such a, such a big company and, you know, a, a, a major, a major bank is the opportunities that gives you. And so during my time there, I was able to work in, Australia and New Zealand. I worked across really every segment from quite a number of different consumer segments all the way through to our commercial and institutional bank. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to me, I felt like I got a great grounding. But when the time came for me to think about making um, quite a zag when it came to career step, it was was clear to me the change I needed was a new sector. Mm. And I could see there was going to be a lot of really exciting personal growth by getting my teeth stuck into something very different. Um, I'd been fortunate enough to to be working on an advisory board for another university, and that really opened my eyes to the opportunity. And then when when Swinburne came along, uh, that just felt right. Mm-hmm. So to get to your question, yes, two very different categories, but actually. I agree with the assertion. There was actually a lot of similarities. Yeah. Well, let's let's put it maybe differently, but transferable skills that mm-hmm. I found, um, as I mentioned, the personal challenge for me was to try and build my acumen around this sector quickly. And and universities, higher education is actually a very complex sector when it comes to you know people will often think of year 12s and graduating, you know, students finishing school and coming to uni, that's actually only one small um, segment, a really important one. But they're people of all ages and walks of life and, of course, internationally and domestically um, uh, come to universities and there are many universities in Australia competing for those segments. So um, to really understand and the funding and the way the the, the whole enterprise works um, was really, it was a, a great challenge to do that. But when it comes to marketing, Marketing, I felt I was actually be I was able to bring fresh eyes, which mm-hmm. I think is partly what Swinburne was looking for for 
bring someone in from a different sector that can really have a fresh look. Um, but when you think about, you know, the principles and practice of marketing, it is about the people, it's about the platforms, it's about good processes, it's about building winning propositions. Those things are actually the same, whether I, I'm, I'm working on home loans or whether I'm working on, on uh, attracting our undergraduate students, for example. Um, so I actually found some real joy in act in coming into this new sector and having a, a fresh look right across um, what we were doing here at Swinburne and, and, and implementing a few things that, that came along the way. It's interesting you bring up transferable skills. I, I mean, I kind of guess that's where you, you might go, but I, I, I've worked with financial institutions myself and with higher education. Mm. Um, and my observation of it is that the position of marketing within financial institutions versus higher education organizationally is very is very different and culturally okay. can be quite different yeah um and i think marketing uh sometimes can struggle to establish itself in such mm. a complex picture with that you just p painted right so yeah. many different angles for mm. a university to to look at has your your, your background at ANZ has been was so broad commercially as well mm. as in marketing. I, I'm guessing that really helped you to try and establish yourself and the discipline yeah. of marketing at Swinburne. It, it, it's a great observation um, and, and true. But even in banking, I would say to you that, you know, it... it you know, banking is not a a, a marketing centred business, sure. unlike a fast moving consumer goods um, uh, organisation where marketing usually is at that absolute centre of, of how everything is put together. Um, so I think I actually felt fairly well versed in in um, being able to position marketing, but it takes work and it takes focus. It takes confidence to uh, be able to demonstrate the value that marketing can mm. do as a growth driver, yes. not as a cost centre. I know they're well It's the usual terms. thing, right? And the usual absolutely, thing. FS, I mean, that applies just as much to Absolutely. Category, so, but, yeah. you know, accountability for hard results, not just marketing metrics, but actual hard numbers, and to be able to prove the value um, to lots of different stakeholders um, mm. that, that the marketing team can provide. So, Again, I would say there are some similarities. Um, I'm fortunate enough that I came into an organisation. Of course, I did my due diligence before I yeah. joined, um, but there was a centralised approach to marketing. I know some other universities have a decentralised approach and that makes the task even harder for marketing to establish itself and really affect change and growth. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have those functions all together, including the communications and media team, which again is, a, in my view, another essential lever for actually delivering, in a broad sense, the right marketing propositions and and really at the end of the day, building brand distinction and and comp and providing compelling reasons for for students in this case to choose you. I must admit, I'm a big fan of centralised marketing structures generally. I, I mean, to be blunt about it, I think they give you teeth. Um, versus a decentralised structure. And I'm inferring that that's what yeah. you tell me if I'm wrong, yeah. but I'm inferring yeah. that's kind of what you're yeah. saying. You, you have a, you, it gives you a mandate and it gives you some clarity around yes. actions you can take as opposed to 100% yes. influence. I, I think that's right. And generally it comes with more senior leadership. So in this yes. case, a chief marketing officer. Um, in decentralised structures, you will usually or often see 
GMs or directors who don't necessarily have a marketing background, but as we all know, everybody has a view Absolutely on how marketing right. should be done. <laughs> everyone can copyright and everyone has great creative ideas. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I do agree with you. I'm happy to declare my bias on that. I think marketing is stronger together. Trinity P3. We haven't mentioned the word challenge, but we, I mean, there has been clearly um, some, there's always going to be challenges in this, in this kind of role. And I, and I think it's safe to say you joined Swinburne at one of the most challenging moments for the sector in its entire history. I mean, we, we've worked with a few of, a few of your, your competitors, mm. your competitors, in, and we've worked with you as well, but um, mm. really with, with COVID and everything else, really, really challenging um, internationally and, and domestically. What has the experience of piloting a university through COVID taught you and, and what fundamentals have changed in the way you now need to market a university? Mm. Um, without a doubt, I I commenced Swinburne in March of 2020 in Melbourne, for those of yeah. you who are listening um, from other areas. Um, and within four days of starting, we went into uh, the first of, of many lockdowns. But the reality for universities in, in Melbourne was that we essentially moved our students and staff off campus for almost two years. There was very little um, return in that time, a little bit, very limited and usually then cut short at, at zero notice. So, um Absolutely, um, you know, and, and of course I didn't anticipate that. So that added a whole nother, another realm. So there, there was enormous challenges for everybody. Um, you know, when I've reflected through that time, I think what it did though was unlock some opportunities and I very much had the mindset of, you know, not only did I need to understand, um, you know, the new business I was coming into but also all of the challenges that were hitting this business like a tidal wave. Um, so to me, I was very focused on, well, first and foremost, it's actually about the care for mm. your 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 key stakeholders. And in this case, it was for the staff and for our current students. Um, I, I have current stu student communications in my team as well. And that was the moment that mattered the most, actually, was just about so people knew what to do, knew that, that the organisation cared for them and, and, and were able to do that. But of course, we couldn't take our eye off the ball, which for, for us in, in university marketing is our prospective students. And that is an ongoing pipeline that has to keep going. Um, so really everything changed. So much of sort of university um, engagement around prospective students were often physical events and, of course, the, the, the flag a poll being the open days. Um, we had to reimagine that very, very quickly right. and do, do, do different things. Um, and that's where, where we created a platform called Swintopia, came to, to life in a very short, we built that over eight weeks, which was quite an extraordinary effort and something I remain exceedingly proud of my team mm. um, who rallied around it. And I think the role that I played was just an enabling role that I really challenged them and cleared the way for them to come up with the very best solution that they, they could could, could could do. So we have this wonderful gamified platform instead of an open day. Um, but in terms of, you know, the fundamentals and, and what's what's COVID taught us and, and me and, and, and what's changed, um, I think it has meant the prospective student, and we're still seeing it to this day, particularly the young ones, the, the those going through year 11 and 12 now, um, mm -hmm. 
were exceedingly destabilised and we, it taught us, we, we learned to actually um, reach out and actually understand and try and get under the layer more emotively around, you know, how they're making the decisions and how they're feeling and how we could help them. Um, and so that in itself brought more innovation and change. Um, and I don't want to do a disservice to to the you know many marketing leaders that have come before me, both at this institution and elsewhere. But there, I felt there was um, a fair amount of sameness in the year in year out. We do this at this time, and then this in the middle of the year, and this towards the end of the year. We COVID shook that all up for us, and that remains. Um, changed, that we are continuously now trying to evolve the way we engage. Of course, the digital channels and being a university of technology, it's incumbent upon us to use digital and technology in clever ways. Mm. And it's a way to demonstrate our brand in action. So we brought many and different ways to engage to the table and continue to do that um, to this day. Um, but I would say the fundamentals um, of a lot of what we have done have actually yeah, changed. Mm. Well, I, w I wanted to pick up on, on that point about the existing students. That really is a differentiator as a, as a marketer and as, an, uh, as a category, right? You've got a young, relatively mm. young, extensive mm. body of people who are quite can be quite vulnerable, right, in, in, in this time. Yes. Some of which, mm. some of whom might be not native to Australia. Some of it, I mean, it's, it's, uh, mm. that's a really important consideration. Yeah, and it sort of goes to the complexity that I mentioned at the start. Um, you're absolutely right. We had some very young international students who were not able to return to their home country yes. um, in, in 2020. So, again, that notion of first things first, our duty of care and ensuring that they felt the support and had the support that they needed had to come before even some of those other really important things that we were doing in terms of marketing the university and attracting um, our, our future students because that's, yeah, that, yeah we, we, we do have a duty of care. So, um, but that's, you know, what I, and I guess banking taught me that because the other thing that, of course, education and banking have in common is, you know, then they're not fast-moving consumer goods, they're long-term relationships. Yes. You know, in the case of education, you know, in many cases it's three years, but but we aspire it to be a lifelong relationship now, just as we do in banking. So it taught me the importance of caring for your existing customer base and the power of their advocacy in actually driving your brand and attracting new customers. Trinity P3. I wouldn't ever say anything good about COVID specifically, but I do like the way you've kind of, that circumstance created opportunity it is did. what I'm hearing. Right? It did. It, and, and it, it did create mm. opportunity in all sorts of ways in, in life, but mm. you've really seized on that to just shake things up and change the way in which you're, you're yeah. fundamentally and, and some things remain, and I will give another example. You know, we talked about the young people and their vulnerability. What we heard loud and clear for those um, Year 12 students in 2020, you know, their world was just, it's the biggest year of their school of life and they're all sent home, they're working from home and they're just, you know, quite traumatised, of course, about what, what's next and will I get into that uni or that course that I've been aspiring to. So again, in terms of creating an opportunity, um, we were able to lead and build the case here to trial an ATAR-free early entry program mm -hmm. um, and then bring that to market in June of that year. 
Um, it got enormous coverage because it was something that was different and it was a lifeline for a whole lot of kids who, from an anxiety point of view, were really worried about their ATAR. So, of course, it wasn't about don't give it your best efforts and get whatever, but we were able to give hundreds of students a place and guaranteed entry irrespective of their ATAR as long as they, mm. they pass their VCE overall. Um, that, to me, was a... It, it was able to crack open actually a discussion that's been held for many years about, about ATAR and not only we're able to provide a solution then, but that's an enduring program that we have in place mm. now, an early entry program. So you're right, these sorts of crises do actually um, enable organisations if they've got the, the, the right focus to try some new things and actually innovate. And again, that's part of what we're all about here at the university. I mean, that's great. And I, I think, I mean, crisis is one thing, but I think, um, and I'm, I'm thinking here about undergraduate element of your, your customer base and, and perspective particularly. I mean, crisis aside, whether COVID had happened or not, I'm guessing that the needs and wants and mindsets of young people and, and their relationship, their views about higher education, that's in a state of constant flux um, mm. as as things uh, develop, technology develops and everything else. How How challenging is that for you as a marketer and, and what's critical do you think when when trying to engage with potential undergraduate candidates yeah um i do place a huge amount of emphasis on research and insight i actually think um and certainly i'm well beyond the age of, <laughs> of my target customer base when me we're too, talking Karen, about the, under, yep. the undergraduates <laughs> um i might have a couple living with me in the house but they're <laughs> yeah. not me um but no i i really do believe um in in ensuring that we have got the right insights and so that has been another thing that i have um really instilled in the team uh we've introduced some new capabilities around customer experience and user experience management and we test we we bring in the users and we mm -hmm. listen to them and we really try and draw out you know in a, a more formal sense choice driver research and again that's been quite a big investment to make sure mm -hmm. we really ha know the things that matter but also in terms of shaping the right experiences through their journey of making a choice but also a journey of then joining the university and staying because that's yes. the other thing. It's keeping keeping them engaged and, and well well supported. Um, I I believe there's no substitute to to speaking with your users um, all the time. And as in you know good human centered design methodology, your extreme users are actually really the insightful ones. So those who are super engaged and keen and determined to study, as well as those who actually are wavering a little bit and not sure about their future, they give you insights that actually help you build the right propositions for the the broader middle. Um, so we do we talk to to students a lot. Um, we also and what we found in this increased over COVID, their reliance on on influencers has been, and I don't mean influencers in a social media sense per mm -hmm. se, although we do do um, quite a bit of that as well. Um, but uh, you, they are not, even though it's about their future and their choice of university and their study, um, they are heavily, heavily influenced by um, cohorts such as their careers advisors and teachers at school and, of course, their parents and often older siblings mm -hmm. at home. So in terms of reaching and influencing a prospective young and undergraduate student, it's actually not just 
reaching them, it's actually reaching the others around them who will help guide that decision. Yes. Um, and from a, you know, a channel sense, that then brings its own uh, challenges because the challenge, channels, there's more and more every day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, and the, 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 you know, that young cohort can be actually quite fickle in terms of channels they they are actively using and then move on to something else. But equally, there's a lot of then the broader and broadcast type channels that we need to continue to utilise to reach their their influence base. I see. Yeah, I was going to pick up on that because obviously um, from a marketing channel point of view, that's hard enough. But I think, I mean, this particular age group, they're fickle when it comes to advertising. Full stop. I yep. mean, and and yep. drilling down into advertising just as a as a mm. uh, as a subset almost. I think um, what you've talked about in in research and insights is clearly critical for mm. strategic development, for creative development, for execution, um, and for channel selection just within mm. advertising, if nothing else. Exactly. And um, that brings agencies into the picture. I mean, I guess <laughs> no interview is is with it with a CMO such as yourself is complete without an agency related question um and it was a it was an agency related project where we met some yeah. time ago um you've worked with them for long enough i think um so you know what in 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 your view and we you can apply this to to work to, to um, higher education if you like um mm. what in your view should the agency sector stop start and, and continue um with regard to how it's currently perceived how it's regarded currently operating yeah um uh, look i think the it, it, it's, I have a few you know, interesting philosophies around around agencies, and one of them I'll actually start with the client before I jump to the agency. Sure. Um, over my journey, um, I have seen where where the agency client relationships, um, you know, fragment or aren't particularly productive is where often there is a client view of agencies as vendors, mm -hmm. and um, I think. One of the magic ingredients is very much about once you have selected your agency partners, really bringing them into the house and treating them as partners. And I really am a very big believer that the more you bring um, your agencies as partners, you share your information, you really help engender a, gen a genuine care for the results as well, mm -hmm. um, is treating them as partners. So to me, that's something incumbent upon clients and obviously CMOs and marketing leaders to keep that culture there that... Um, you know, it, no agencies are putting their best foots forward in, in in most cases, and to really work work closely with them. Um, in terms of what and what agencies can do, you know, for ourselves, I agree with you in that there it, it is about thinking and helping clients evolve. Often there is a um, there might be a quite a clear, even the way briefs are often structured, sort of requirements. Well, I, you know, I need a TV ad and I wanted this and that. Mm. Actually, I really do love to um, keep briefs even briefer, actually. that You know, a good brief is just absolutely sharply to the point of what it is you're trying to solve for, not the how. Um, and, you know, to really help enable your agencies to come up with, with great ideas. And often that's not traditional media. Yes. I think, you know, exper you know, brand activations and experiential type solutions can be, you know, a really great solution. 
um, and something that's quite different. Um, in terms of what I'd love to see agencies do, just about, you know, all marketing teams and businesses have more than one agency. They'll often have a creative and media agency. They might have a different PR agency. They'll have others. And I like to throw the, my, my research agencies because as I've yes. indicated before, I'm I'm a big believer in having the right research partners in there too. Um Working, getting them to work together. I'd love to see them do more of the actually working across and n- not be precious about, you know, great ideas can come from it anywhere, including great creative ideas can come out of your media agency, just as fantastic, you know, media activations can, ideas can come out of your creative agency and indeed from the client themselves. So to me, it's um, that trying to bring together and, and, and do do that, that I see huge value. Um, One thing I'd love to start seeing agencies do more of, I've always held a belief that I've always been very interested in the other clients that an agency has and have always enjoyed as a CMO when, you know, we might have the occasional get together to share um, information, other CMOs. Um, I think there's still more um, in terms of ideas to activate around a client yes. or um, using multiple partners um, or clients of that agency together. And so, you know, let's take an example of a university. Um, you think about all the categories that if we just, again, focus on the younger younger undergraduate element, but all the other categories that they're consuming from, you know, food delivery services to um to, you know, sporting associations, whatever it is. But I still believe there's some really fantastic and which it's a very non-traditional engagement um, opportunities that that we can, you know, do together to be creative. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd, I'd very much like to see, yeah, more of that. Well, that's a fascinating answer, I think, um, for a few reasons, actually. I, a lot of what you've touched on there, a lot of people talk it, not many people do it. In my own personal experience, um, gaining trust and traction for those for those kind of mm. things, so those kind of um, developments and evolutions um, can be really tricky. But the interesting thing is that the first part of your answer absolutely correlates and enables the second part of your answer. Mm. The first part of your answer is about cultural leadership of your agency mm. and by extension your agency roster. Yes. Um, which does take leadership from, mm. a, from a client because abdica- just mm. saying to the agencies, off you go, yeah. is abdication and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily um, produce the best results. But that first part of your your um, your answer, if that's done right, agencies get confident and confidence breeds confidence. And an agency then feels more empowered mm. to answer a brief in a different way or to work together without threat of, of exactly. having its turf taken over. Um, it all mm. stems from that, that cultural and, and leaders, and it, of course it comes from the top down. Mm. Um, and but, so it really, yeah. really, it's like a hand-in-glove thing. It's, yeah, and, and I do think that setting the right cultural um, environment, both internally in a marketing team, but but by extension into your agency partners is, in my view, a, a key thing a leader must do, a marketing leader must do. And, um, you know, one of the ways I have or brought that to life, both back in my ANZ days, but also here, is that um, once and sometimes twice a year, I will bring all those agency partners together and we run our own I borrow the term upfronts, but we will run our own upfronts about as a business what's 
important to us. Here's our strategy, taking the time to share that strategy, but then creative creating a creative environment to let our partners workshop and and get to know each other together but work together on what are some of the things we might want to mm. experiment with or try this year so it is it's about creating the environment but it also it also means that agencies aren't so afflicted with myopia you know mm. if if you are uh, again mm. I'm just talking from my own experience here you know agencies often are um in a, almost like in an ivory tower, they're, they're focused so hard on what what their remit is. They're not mm. thinking organisationally enough, and doing things like upfronts mm. and mm. you know curating that kind of thing, it just allows so much more context around what it is you're trying to do as a marketing function and, a, yeah. and as a as a commercial entity or as a business or whatever the case That's may be. Right. Um, and that engenders and empowers better mm. responses and yeah. more motivated people and. Yeah. More interested people. Yeah, in and the if they're going to, you know, it's an interesting environment, isn't it? That when when someone's working at an agency, and say they're working on a category like higher education or banking, for that matter, they're working on that category, but they're not actually working in it. We're the ones working in the category, yes. so the more. I can do to help engage the people at the agencies into that category, understand how it ticks, give them exposure to clients or or prospective customers um, and just give them more of a sense of what it's all about, of course that's going to make them more engaged. And Absolutely. Trinity P3. Part of what you rely on from your agency is, to, is some insight into the next big plays, although I'm sure you've got some thoughts on your own. I mean, th thinking about the short to medium term future of, of marketing, what, what do you see out there? What's coming down the pipe that really excites you? Um, or yeah. scares you even. Yeah. Because yeah. it is a bit yeah. scary sometimes. Yeah, totally. And, and it's so funny. I remember you know, it's probably five or ten years ago, you know, coming across this sort of, you know, quote that, you know, marketing and technology has changed more in the last five years than it has in the previous 50. Yeah. Now let's take ourselves ten years down the track and it's like, <laughs> holy right. heavens. Holy it moldy, just, yeah, to, nothing. What are you looking for, I'm sure. Exactly. Yes. Um, nothing is slowing down. So, um, you know, there is a combination of exciting because I think you know change and embracing change and opportunity is always is always exciting but there's no doubt there is also a bit of a scary element so you know probably an, a, an obvious answer but that rapid rapid rise of AI and the discussions around chat GPT of course that's going to have big impacts on on our industry as as marketing and and more broadly um you know communications and what have you. But I also feel, you know, marketing in many ways has uh, expanded um, and, in fact, many roles I've seen, senior leadership roles, have morphed from being a sort of a chief marketing officer to a chief experience officer. And I still feel we hold um, a very special and un unique role in being able to help shape that very best experience for a prospective customer and, indeed, as they come on board as a customer. Um, so it's how, again, can we use these sorts of technologies um, and not shy away from them. But, but of course, there's, you know, some big questions. Um, I think, you know, the other thing that uh, it's probably not what scares me, but, you know, I, you know, I, I do have reasonable concern about how do we continue to ensure that the, our investments in the marketing technology are the right ones and that we are able to actually leverage through our people and our processes 
all of the tech that we've actually invested in and it's not as straightforward as it's often showcased to be from some of the big tech providers. It's absolutely not. Um, you know, tech's the enabler, tech's not the solution in, in mm. and of itself. And I think, I mean, you raise a really, it's, it's an ethical question as much as something else, but the automation of creativity, which is mm. where ChatGPT is, is taking, you're yeah. absolutely right. How, how do you safeguard investment in people? You literally mm. sort of said it. I mean, you, yeah. there, there has to be a human component. And um, but that actually scares me quite a lot. That when I see that, mm. oh, yep, they can write ads now. Yeah. Don't, I mean, you don't need people anymore. You don't need creatives. Are you sure about that? You know, it's, um, mm. that's, um, I, I think a huge part of marketing would be lost if, if yeah, if that would be lost. And yet, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And yet, there is a part of me that believes it it won't be. It will change. There is no doubt. The tools that we use, um, both as creatives and agencies, but also as marketers, our tools will change. It's the same as our students. And you know, we've just been working through what are the guidelines around Chat GPT yeah. for students when they're preparing assignments <laughs> and assessments You've and got everything huge else. Implications. Um, on the other side of that, yeah. But you again, as a university of technology, even more so, um, it's incumbent upon us to explore how do we bring the people and that technology together and and use it for good and yes. use it to grow as opposed to, um, you know, step away from it because the reality is that these things continue to evolve. And um, so I choose to remain optimistic that we will find ways and there will always in my view be a need for the human element and the and the um so, the, the the people to use these technologies yes yeah, certainly from a marketing perspective I, I mean it's funny when you were talking there i just it, it made me think about um the infiltration of computers into classrooms full stop i mean that was mm. a huge you know mm. how people dealt with that has had to mm. evolve i mean my kids now mm. have ipads that's I mean, right. They're on laptops yeah. and iPads. When yeah. I was at school, we had one computer in the whole I, building. I was just going to say, <laughs> I, mean, I, I was reluctant to declare my age, but I oh, can remember you know, hey, having a, you know. We're both over 27. That's, that's just, right. Let's Going to that. a computer lab yes. <laughs> to use the computer. Computer lab to use a computer. Um, yes, that's right. But yeah. that's right. It's It has changed. That being said, the VCE exams these days are still handwritten, which I find extraordinary because it's um, that is not keeping up with the times for our students. But no, anyway, it's, it's that's, that's a whole other thing. Well, look, I, I, I'm not surprised that you, you, you called out AI. I think it's on everyone's minds at the moment. Um, and it will be fascinating. It will mm. be fascinating to see how agencies deal with it, how marketers deal with it, how organisations deal with it. Um, uh, and I think you're right. It will, of course, evolve. I don't think the trajectory that is proposed by the owners of ChatGPT, who, let's face it, aren't exactly objective in this. Um, I don't think that is a, it's not a simplistic line of, yep, in this, you know, in two years' time, they're going to be doing this. Uh, doing I, I really do think, you like know, that. there's there's always predictions, but, you know, let's take Twitter as an example. A few years ago, people wouldn't have thought Twitter will it would have ended up where it currently is, and it'll no. probably continue to change. Things will, yeah, things won't always go in what the first sort of view of direction will be and that's what keeps us all in jobs doesn't it, it that's does. what keeps us all excited <laughs> now i do have one final question and uh, i i sometimes do this and sometimes don't and it really depends i honestly don't think about it beforehand so it depends if i'm sharp enough to actually think of one in the time that we've been talking together but my one final question for you is if i had a magic wand we just mentioned we're both over 27 but if i had a magic <laughs> wand and i could take you back to being an undergraduate what course at swinburne <laughs> 
has, would you want to do? What, what, is there anything that has really sort of sparked your own interest as an individual as opposed to as a professional? Absolutely. Um, that is one of the pure joys of working at a university and indeed working at Swinburne is the amazing things that they do here and, you know, the, the richness of, of different programs and insights and researchers and academics, it's just quite extraordinary. Um, I, aside from marketing, and of course, I, I, I would actually love to do our marketing course now because the, the, the yeah, units sure. are very, very different. Learn from that, yeah. They're very different to what, what I did. Yeah. Um, but leaving marketing to the side, actually, if I was to do a course, I would be, um, I would do something in the design space um, because I, I, I personally, I love it and I appreciate um, the cleverness of people who, who are able to design just incredible incredible things and and Swinburne has just some amazing um amazing facilities and and teachers here so to me it would be something around um design and probably in a product design area because I'd love to see how now design is such a leading part of 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 you know the way products and and propositions are are developed and manufactured and delivered these days to create really beautiful experiences and beautiful products so that's what I'd work on. Well, design. you heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> Carolyn is about to start her own product design agency. Just, uh, <laughs> just watch this space. Hey, um, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a really great conversation. I really enjoyed um, chatting to you. Um, all the best with with everything you do. We're sitting in a, in a soundproof box in in, uh, in Swinburne at the moment. It's a lovely sunny day outside, and, and the university is looking amazing with your the mural that you put. <laughs> Anyone who's coming down Hawthorne Road and, and uh, wants Burwood to have a look Road. at Burwood Burwood Road, Road, apologies, and mm. uh, wants to see a, an amazing mural that, that uh, Carolyn commissioned, um, it's well worth a look. We're um, very proud of it. It's it's a beautiful piece of work by um, artist called Matt Adnate, um, but it's been a real delight to speak to you as well. So thanks for the invitation, Thank David. You so much.